So having it just been Super Bowl Sunday, not sure if this is true for everyone, but sometimes you have to call an audible. So Matthew 6 is listed in your bulletin, but I'll be reading from Joel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and verses 12 through 17. The prophet writes, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like blackness spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful army comes, like there has never been from of old, nor will be again after them in the ages to come. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the children, even infants at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her canopy. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your heritage a mockery, a byword among the nations. Why should it be said among the people, where is their God? May God add his blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the living of his holy word this day. So I was reading about a court case. The person who was accused was named Fanu Lanu. Fanu Lanu sounded to me to be a foreign person's name, maybe somebody from the continent of Africa, F-N-U-L-N-U. It could have been someone from Poland. Oftentimes they forget to separate consonants with vowels. Until I realized that Fanu Lanu was not someone's name at all. It's actually an acronym, acronym used in court system similar to John Doe. When you don't know someone's name, you call them Fanu Lanu, at least in the paperwork. First name, unknown. Last name, unknown. Fanu Lanu. This particular Fanu Lanu that I was reading about had been impersonating and uh, stolen an identity of Ricardo Hernandez and had been living as Ricardo for 30 years. He was asked uh, by the judge, what is your real name? And he says, I really don't know. 
but I truly believe that I'm Ricardo Hernandez. His defense lawyer says, how do we know who we are? How do we come to the, to the uh, how, do we, how did we come to form the belief of who we are, were? Was it our parents? Was it us just deciding we would be who we are? I gotta believe that lawyer probably made his money that day. How do you know who you are? Of course, in this particular court proceedings, they called up the real Ricardo Hernandez, a 60-year-old Navy veteran, to testify that he was the real Ricardo Hernandez. The judge said, in real life, people know who they are. People know what their names are. They know who their parents are. They know when and where they were born. Needless to say, the Fanu Lanu in that case was convicted and sent to prison for six years. Our scripture passage today, the book of Joel paints a picture of an army that is massed on the horizon. Uh, maybe it's an army of angels, the prophet doesn't tell us. And the people of Israel blow the trumpet of Zion and they blow it to alert and to alarm the people of Israel that on the horizon a menacing army comes to bring about justice and accountability. It'd be easy for us to think quickly, move to verse 12 where God is so much more forgiving, but let's stay with verses 1 and 2 for just a little bit longer. When we look at the prophetic tradition that when a prophet shows up on your doorstep, it's gonna get worse before it gets better. That the prophet tells about the judgment of God. The prophet tells about how God will not um, stomach or tolerate the disobedience in the land. In the midst of verses three through 16, the nations mock God. They say, where is their God? The one who is the living God. Joel wrestles with the text. He tells the congregation about their disobedience. He tells them about the menacing army that is coming. Later in the book of Joel chapter 3, there'll be some interesting conversation about the fact that even God suffers from the disobedience of his people by saying the Lord who dwells in Zion suffers alongside the people of Jerusalem, that his land, his vines, his fig trees are all desolate since the locust and apocalypse had come, that God suffers as well. This idea of the day of the Lord, we blow the trumpet in Zion for the day of the Lord is coming. Now there are some prophets who have nice words to say about the day of the Lord. Uh, the people of Israel had gotten this kind of complex of being victims that they had been beaten up by so many people that when the day of the Lord comes, he's going to set it all right and we'll be restored to where we're supposed to be. But Joel disagrees. Joel sides with Amos and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Zephaniah. 
Joel says the day of the Lord is not when God will take the victim Israel and elevate them, but when God will call Israel to accountability. Have you ever had that moment when you come into the den, you look at the mess that's there, maybe your child has found um, uh, leftover paint in the garage and decided that surely outdoor porch paint of the gray color will make the den look so much more beautiful. Or maybe you come in after work and there before you is the dog that has been tarred and feathered with flour and honey. I mean, have you ever had that moment where you walk in and you look and you say, who did this? And the child says, I don't know. I mean, I gotta be honest with you. I've been on both ends of that one, right? I've been the parent who's tried to say as authoritatively as possible, who did this? And I've been the kid who did not have a dog to blame it on, <laughs> saying, I don't know. There is a moment in Ash Wednesday when we realize that the army is massing on the horizon, that accountability is the word of the day. Uh, the words that we will talk about with the imposition of ashes will be, um, from dust you have come, and to dust you'll return. Repent and believe in the gospel. I mean, dust is not worth much. And if we've come from dust and we return to dust, what is our lives? But that the Lord favors us. We look back at the scripture passage. That wonderful verse 12 begins the process of return. You see, the Lord runs out in front of his own army of angels and says, wait, wait, wait. Not yet. And God says, come back to me. Come home, people of Israel. Rend not your clothes, but your heart. You see, in biblical um, uh, anatomy and physiology, the heart was where the commitments lied. So if you had made a commitment, that is where it sat. There were other, you know, stomach was for completely other things, but, but that, that heart was for the commitment. So to say, rend your hearts, is to say, come back to your first love. I find it interesting that in the midst of Ash Wednesday, we kneel at the altar rail, we have deep prayer. Um, I saw many people throughout the day who had been to service already and had been marked with the cross of ashes. I did not know that they were believers. It's kind of like there's no atheists in foxholes and there's no atheists on Super Bowl Sunday. And it appears to be that there are no atheists on Ash Wednesday either, for all are seeking to repent and change their ways. But when we take a moment to see what might we give up for Lent, I'm going to give up uh, caffeine. Actually, my family decided I'm not allowed to give up caffeine because it doesn't make for a good holy experience for them. <laughs> or I'll give up chocolate. Or I'll give up fast food. You see, the, the moment of accountability may not be that we have spent our spiritual treasure on caffeine and chocolate and fast food. 
The army does not gather on the horizon to call us to accountability for our caloric sins, though some of us could handle a little bit of repentance. The army masses on the horizon to call us to accountability, for we have wandered away from the truth. We have sold our spiritual treasure uh, to mainline mainstream media, to uh, presidential politicians, to uh, the highs and the lows of the economy or the stock market, or maybe even sold our spiritual treasure for the favor of our direct supervisor. It is not caffeine and chocolate that we have made an idol. It is completely different things. So as those who kneel at the altar rail, we have that moment when God says, who made this mess? And as much as we want to say, Fanu Lanu did it, first name unknown, last name unknown, it really is us. We can want to be the faithful person down the street, a Ricardo Hernandez, if you will, but at the end of the day, the judge looks over us and asks for us to come home, to not hide our identity, to not cover our pain, to not allow the blame to go over our head and to hit someone else. For Joel tells us that something righteous this way comes. And that righteousness cannot be taken care of by um, uh, um, uh, flashy smoke and mirrors opportunities. That we were baptized under a name, not Fanu Lanu, and that Ash Wednesday becomes that time to rend our hearts and not our clothing to return to the one who knows us by name, who created us with his own two hands, who redeemed us by blood, sweat, and tears, who died on the cross and was raised on the third day. That when we go home, the name of our baptism is the one that's mentioned. And much like Jesus's inauguration of ministry, we get that feeling of love, that descending of the dove, those words, this is my beloved. I'm glad they've come home. Now, Ash Wednesday is often about re-examining your priorities. It's almost like um, we, have, um, we have not made it to Valentine's Day for our New Year's resolutions. So therefore, Ash Wednesday comes to save the day. We will re-examine our priorities, which will allow us to set our spiritual GPS and to go home. I find it really interesting that in the history of words, the word priority came about in the 1400s and was singular for about 500 years. But the idea of priorities is something we've made up since the 1900s. That there was one, only one priority. And I'm willing to bet that it had something to do with God. One of my professors um, in seminary said that people in the modern culture, you and I, that we have little identity. 
that our identity is really kind of tied up in little scraps and moments created by the exigencies of emergencies and events in our lives. That there's no ultimate concern, there's no uh, leap of faith, there's no ground of our being. That really what we are, are like skid row uh, homeless folk finding together the bits of food and identity to pull together to have a life in the back alley of the restaurants and clubs of the world. That like a small community, we have no idea in totality who we might become, for we have traded our treasure for small scraps of identity. We wrap up our identity in The Bachelor, or um, um, Kate and Eight, and or um, what are all those families with so many children? What, so many children, right? So many children, right? All of those reality TV shows, a Pinterest account, an Instagram login, we have cobbled together an identity that does not reveal whose we are and who we are. With the army on the horizon, God says, wait, wait, this, these, you and me, you and I, are his beloved. Rend not your clothing, but your hearts. Come home to the one who knows your name, who made you with his own two hands, and loves you, loves you to death and resurrection through the cross. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. invite you to stand for the dismissal with blessing. Go forth into the world in the strength of God's mercy to live and to serve in newness of life. May Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, bless and keep you. May the Lamb of God who laid down his life for all graciously smile upon you. And may the Lord God order all your days and deeds in peace. Amen. Thanks be to God.